<laughs> oh boy i do have the best job in the world i have so much fun every week talking about poker with my friends here on the rec poker podcast thank you all for joining us um if you don't know what rec poker is all about we're a group of serious recreational amateur players we have fun with poker we learn together uh it's more fun when you win so we study together we teach each other we ask each other tough questions and we make each other better as poker players here at rec poker it's free to come join uh go to rec.poker and get a free account today uh because it's free uh we have to thank our sponsors most of what we do here is volunteer based so it really helps a lot to have sponsors like uh mark prashan at website amp and the running aces hotel racetrack and casino and uh if you want to find out more about me my name's jim reed bluffsterini in the home games and at rec poker jim on twitter you can go to rec.poker slash crew, which is where you can find my name and photo, along with a bunch of other names and photos from other members of the Wrecking Crew, some of which are here tonight. Uh, Wrecking Crew members, please introduce yourselves to Wreck Poker Nation. Uh, I'm Kim Kilroy. I am Fergie 56 in the home game and PetBet or PetBet 33 on most of the platforms. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Radman 50 just about everywhere. And it's not just Wrecking Crew members. The Wrecking Crew is the core team of folks that put their time in every month leading our study groups and um, helping me out on the podcast and in a million other ways behind the scenes. But we couldn't do it without our premium members. I'm always so pleased when a premium member comes to join us for this forums edition of the show. Tonight, we've got Eric Anderson back in the booth. Say hi to Rec Poker Nation, Eric. Hi, everybody. I'm Eric Anderson. I'm EA Anderson 85 in the home game and at recpoker.com. There you go. So uh, every Monday night, we take a look at a forum post. Uh, the forums are free. Like I say, everyone's welcome to come and join and ask their questions and give their feedback. This is one by Jamin96, my buddy Ben Enslow. And uh, Ben has been posting in the forums a lot. He's getting back into grinding a weekend schedule. He's a Twitch streamer. Um, he's got a lot going on and a pretty nifty poker player too. one of our premium members and a fun guy to follow on Twitter as well. Um, so this post got a lot of great responses. Um, Ben wrote it a while ago. We got some great responses from Eric. Also, um, a new member, Richie Richens, uh, who I was excited. They had some great comments to add here. Um, so I hope we get to know Richie a little more too, as we go. This post is called Trouble in the $21 Bounty Hunters on GG Poker. And it gets to a couple questions to do with pre-flop and, and post-flop action. We're going to focus on a couple of them uh, for this conversation. And I'll just sort of walk us through the action. So Ben is getting back into uh, the, the multi-table grind on Sundays. He really likes this $21 uh, Bounty Hunter on GG. And he's looking to make a run. At this point, the blinds are at 100-200 with a 30 ante. And it folds around to middle position who makes it 400 or two big blinds off a stack of uh, about 47 big blinds. We have no real reads on this player, uh, but they're V-pipping around 23% with a three bet of 7%. So not too tight but not getting out of line and over 35 to 45 hands, we can only tell so much. They have a slightly covered. We have 43 or 44 big blinds and we're on the button. 
we look down at King of Hearts, Jack of Hearts. So we did an episode recently on King Jack offsuit and talked about how it was just like a second best kind of hand. It's uh, it's the kind of hand that if you hit one pair, you don't feel great about it. It doesn't do well out of position. And we talked about using uh, King Jack offsuit as a, a three bet candidate sometimes and sometimes just folding it. Um, when it's King Jack suited, especially if you're in position, I think that does kind of change the calculus a little bit. And we're going to be calling with it a lot more and three betting with it a lot less. Uh, Kim and Rob, do you think that's true? And, and is it purely because of its suitedness that that might may, might impact that? Rob, you're nodding. What's uh, what's up there? No, I think King Jack suited um, on the button against a single raise is definitely a call. I think, and because it's suited, um, mm-hmm. you get into you can get in a lot of trouble with King Jack. It's that reverse implied odd types hand, right? But when you got the suitedness, it gives it a little bit of extra oomph that you can go and see a flop with. It's a lot more playable. Yeah, I like that too. And I I like I like King Jack off suit much more as a three bet hand than King Jack suited. King Jack suited, we don't want to get four bet and have to fold this hand. Mm. We have the button, we have position, we have a ton of equity with a with two suited Broadway cards and we don't want to get, and we, if we get four bet, we have to fold. So whereas King Jack offsuit, it's pretty easy fold. (laughs) If you get four bet King Jack suited, you just don't want to fold it. So I like it much better as a call here. And we don't mind if the blinds come along. Like, you know, if they don't four bet, there are, if they don't three bet, they're probably not going to have a hand better than King Jack suited. So we're not too worried about that. And I should point out that when we say that this is the bounty hunter, I should make it clear to some of our listeners, that means that this is a knockout tournament. So you, there's an incentive to knock out other players. You will get a bounty. Um, It's a way to put money on your pocket without actually cashing in the tournament. So there's more of an incentive to take people out. And so I think that also should incline us to play hands like this in position where they can make, very strong flushes and straights. Um, you know, that we should, we should be playing these more, which means that we should be kind of three betting them less, particularly at this stack depth where you don't need to three bet in order to get your whole stack in by the river, starting at about 40 big blinds. You'll be able to get chips in if you wish post flop without even having to make a single raise at all. Um, so I think that does, that does make it uh, more tempting to call. Um, now, Kim, you mentioned uh, players in the blinds. If they come along, we don't really mind that because it's going to be with hands worse than King Jack suited. If someone three bets out of the blinds and let's say the original Razor calls, we're going to be getting really good odds. Is this a hand that we're going to want to call that three bet with in position or is it one that we just have to release because of the strength of the hand? And I'm choosing it because it's kind of a cusp hand so i'm not i don't want this to be an easy answer i think it depends on the size of the three bet Mm -hmm. so i mean if this is a a knowledgeable player they're going to three bet really big yep with a bet and a call and then i think once the if they do that i think we can fold if they make it what most people make it which is not a big enough three bet 
Yeah. Then we're going to get great odds to call in position and see the flop. But we have to tread carefully here in the three bet pot. I don't know. Yes. Rob, what do you think? I agree. I think uh, if you see one of those, you know, three bets that are, you know, I think the original Razor made it two big blinds, right? And if somebody comes in with a three bet to five big blinds, which I've seen, and it's like, what? You know, then then I would probably call that. But if somebody made it uh, from the blinds, they're going to probably be somewhere in the eight to 10 range, typically. So I think if they made it that, it's definitely a fold. Mm-hmm. Let me bring it back to the two big blind open here by middle position. That's pretty small. At 40, 45 big blind stacks. Good point. And I think that often in these um, tournaments, that's that's not a great hand. It's a medium strength hand. Sevens, eights, nines, um, sixes, like a or like a suited ace, or mm-hmm. hands that they want to see flops with, and they want to be the aggressor, but they're not great hands like this is a very small open at this stack size now i don't know maybe this person always opens to big blinds and then that's a moot point but just from having played some of these i think that's a fairly small open yeah that's a great point and and, you know you see a lot of 2xing from 20 big blinds down maybe 25 big blinds down but that's a really good point, Kim. If if they're in that 40 big blind, 45 big blind range, I think a lot of players are still opening to 2.5 um, or maybe even a little more than that, depending. Or even so, 2.2 or 2.3. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. It, I, I'm not sure if we can say that it caps their range, but I think it does weigh it towards those middling hands. I think that's that's a really good point. Um, and sometimes, Kim, yes, hey, Derek, yeah. Oh, sometimes uh, with the regulars that I notice uh, playing online, uh, they they multi-table. You know, some of them mm-hmm. are playing eight, eight, ten tables. And they just two exit because they don't have time to type in two point yep. two. Yep. Um, so you got to be a, aware of who you're playing to, and with thirty hands, who knows if this guy's a regular or not? But good point. Uh, they usually have hotkeys though for that yeah. sizes. And yeah, stuff. I do. Yeah. <laughs> but another thing. Um, too, it depends on the other stack sizes at the table. Because I I tend to look at if the, the other big st- blinds. If the blinds have twenty big blinds or less, then the two is fine. That's what I was but thinking. The other right. stack is forty or forty. Because I kind of I kind of look at the blinds and see what the blinds are, and then make my raise size based on that, and not my own chip stack. So smart. I might be sitting there with 50 big yeah, blinds, but point, I look over point, at the, the blinds and they're, they're sitting there at 15 and 20 big blinds. I'll make it two. Yep. That's really smart. Excellent. So, so in we this don't... hand history, that would be a great thing to know. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And it just goes to show how much valuable information is helpful. If, if you're taking notes on stuff, um, you know, in the in the episode last week, I didn't I hadn't written down if I had a diamond in my hand on the Queen Nine Four Two Diamond board, and of course it, it's relevant, um, which makes me think that I didn't. But uh, it's just like here, um, you know, Ben's making excellent notes about a lot of this stuff. To be honest, but also uh, if if we knew if that was a typical size, that would be helpful as well. 
Um, and all also, right. also yeah. when you're thinking about three bedding um, and the blinds are short, like you now you're calling off when they when they go right. in, right? So when you're calling now, you can have the option of whether you're going to fold or not if they go all in or if they Great three point. bet. And uh, uh, Kim made a comment earlier about when we were talking about the hypothetical situation where if we were facing a three bet and the sizing was right, we might call, but we'd have to be treading carefully. And I think I just want to reinforce that notion of treading carefully, especially with hands like this. When we get into multi-way big stack pots with hands like this, we're really trying to do better than one pair because we're not going to be comfortable on jack high flops. We're not going to be comfortable on king high flops. We're really trying to get more than one pair. We have to beat one pair. So it's either going to be two pair or a straight or a flush. Those are the hands that we're trying to make when we get involved in in bigger pots with hands like this. That's how we're going to tread carefully. We're going to tread carefully by treating one pair as a losing hand, um, which is something that we all need to do a little more with hands like this. So um, Ben in his discussion here, he does sort of debate the virtues of uh, calling versus three betting and elects to call. Uh, so the, the, both the blinds call uh, and we get to a flop. So the flop is the five of clubs, six of spades, jack of diamonds with nine big blinds in the middle. And so we have flopped top pair, second kicker, both the blinds check and the original razor C-bets a pretty large sizing. They C-bet about seven big blinds into uh, a little over nine big blinds in the pot. So now it's our spot. It's the actions on us. The players and the blinds are still in the hand and we're facing this large bet. We've got top pair second kicker. Is there anything, are we, is there anything that we're never doing? Are we never folding here, for instance? We're never folding. Okay, I agree. Um, we could call or we could raise then. Those are the remaining options when there's only three ways to play a lot of poker hands. And when you take folding out of the equation, it's calling or raising. Um, what do you guys think about those two options? And if it's a raise, what kind of size would we use? Um, there's obviously pros and cons to both. But is there a slam dunk answer for anyone here in the chat? I don't think, I think I'd raise a bit a pot a bet size that big. Because it is a big bet relative to the pot. Right. And it sounds, Rob, it sounds like to you that indicates strength. Or well, at least it's not. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he's he's polarized his range, like we talked about on in the last podcast. When you bet that big, you're very polar. You either have you either have the nuts or you got nothing. Yeah, it's so, strength or fear. <laughs> right, I don't right. think it's I don't think it's that big. It's okay. like a two thirds pot bet. That's seventy seven percent. It's just three quarters. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's okay. it's like three quarters. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. Seven ninths is seventy seven percent. Yeah. And it's yeah. on, but but it's on a Jack six five rainbow board. Rainbow. Um, yeah. And I think but, people kind of expect smaller bets on board than boards than that. So it feels large relative to normal bets there. Rob. So why is he, why is he betting that big on that type of flop? I mean, all of our 
discussions. We talk about C-bets. We talk about C-bet sizing. We talk about all this. He's out of position against us, which is mm-hmm. uh, a factor. So um, if he's really strong, a lot of the times on that type of board, uh, GTO says you should be checking your stronger hands because you're out of position and you're giving, you're allowing your opponent to get in there and, and uh, put a bet in where you, then you can go ahead and check raise. Make um, a mistake. Yeah. Right. Make yeah. a mistake. So it's, it's, it, it makes me wonder what is he doing that with? And is he a thinking enough player to understand that? Or is he just saying, Hey, I just flopped a set. I think I'm going to see how much money I can get. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you that the solvers like that big bet with obviously your big pairs, your over pairs, aces, kings, yep. and queens. Yep. But they also like it with ace king. They like it with hmm. uh, ace jack, which is a, yep. also a big hand. But they like it with ace seven, king seven, king eight, queen eight, queen nine, jack ten, queen ten, king ten. All of these hands that wrap around. Yeah. Right. Nine, seven suited, eight, seven suited. They like it with those hands as well. So from out of, from out of position. Yes. As the, as the pre-flop aggressor, as a big bet. Out yeah. of position. Some of the time, and not I, all of the time, obviously. And I guess, and they are, they are, they're in position to the players in the blinds too, I guess. So they're, they're not strictly out of position. They're just out of position uh, to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting, Kim, because that's a mix of, uh, Straight draws, gut shots, you know, one over, over one cards. under. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. that's a lot of different um hands yeah. to be and it likes it mix it mixing, obviously. Not all mm-hmm. big bets, but there's certainly big bets are okay with all of those hands. Mm-hmm. So that's and why I think it's a hundred percent a call for us most of the time, just a call. Yep. And what's a big bet? Is it an over bet or like 70% or Another big bet's 80. 80%. 80%. So that's that's right there. Yeah, that's right about the size that we're talking about. So they're talking about varying between uh, 33, 50, 66, and 80. Hmm. Okay. Now, one of the things that Ben talked about in the post was how quickly he bet out. Mm Hmm. So I'm thinking if somebody is thinking in terms of like Kim was talking about what the GTO solution to this situation would be, they would probably think a little bit longer before they threw out that bet. Yep. Right. And especially if they're strong, Right. especially if they're strong, they're going to think about how much value you're going to get. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's going to call me? What's going to call me if I bet? Right. Like, I don't know yep. if we ever bet that big with a set, like ever, on this kind of board. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd be heartbroken if I bet that much and, and they all folded. to Three yeah. people folded to my set. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know. So that does feel like maybe it's a strong but vulnerable hand, like, like Ace Jack or... Uh, you know, pocket sevens. queens or something like that. Or yeah. sevens. Yeah. Or eights or nines. Seven, eights. Yeah. So, yeah. That's tens. a good, that's nines, a good one. Tens. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So 
as played. Or uh, Ace King, just trying to get everybody to fold. Mm-hmm. I'm Ace King, just fold. Just like fold. I have two overs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I deserve to win. I got Ace Yeah, King. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when Rob was talking earlier uh, about our opponent's range being polarized here, um, that's, that's as Rob points out, a great argument for calling because you don't want to be raising into a polarized range because you just allow your opponent to play perfectly. They fold the bottom of their polarized range and they continue with the top and you're kind of free rolling them a little bit uh, by doing that. So instead, we call and, uh, and sort of evaluate on, on future streets when we're in in the middle of our range and and it feels like we have a strong hand here but we don't feel uh supremely confident with top pair second kicker so i think that makes a lot of sense so we do decide to call and the turn comes the eight of clubs so the board is five of clubs six of spades jack of diamonds eight of clubs so a straight does come in, and there are now two clubs on the board. Uh, there's 23 big blinds in the pot, and our uh, both the blinds fold. So it's just our villain, our original razor and us now. Uh, our villain bets again very fast, 17 and a quarter big blinds into a pot of 23, which is, again, you know, on the larger side, but not off the spectrum. Um And Ben says, my first thought is that there's a low chance he's doing this with a backdoor flush draw. It's not a terrible card, but some of the straights got there. um, And he just doesn't believe, I'm I'm sure there's so much good information in the forum post here, folks. We're going to go through some of it on the air, but I encourage you, please just go go get a free rec poker account and check this out because there's a lot of text that we're not going to get to. Um, Eric's put an amazing infographic up here, breaking the hand down. There's a ton of responses we're not going to be able to, to get into on the air. But um, Ben basically says, based on his notes above, he doesn't think that there's that many straight combos in the villain's range at this point. So our Jack, if it was a, a head before, is still good. And uh, He's also concerned that we don't cover them for a bounty. Uh, and if we call this bet, it sets up nicely for a shove on the river for our opponent who will have us covered and is going to put us in a very difficult position. So uh, Ben says, I was really torn between three options, calling and seeing what happens on the river, shoving or folding. Uh, I'm curious to see what everyone in rec poker land would do. So what would you do, folks, in rec poker land? They're leading into you on the turn. It's another fairly big bet. You've still got top pair second it's, kicker. What are you doing? They are, they are clicking buttons because it's at exactly three quarters pot. Mm. So they just have this button up. So yep. they're not even thinking about it and just betting here. Yep. So that's fine, I think. Um, but because of the sizing of the pot, the solvers never want us to fold. They want us to call half the time and go all in half the time hmm. with our hand. And is, is that because, because of how much we have behind essentially? Like we're, right. if we were much, much, much deeper, maybe it would want something else. But right. when we've got this many chips. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. If we call, we're going to have 19 big blinds left and there's going to be, you know, there's going to be 40 some in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to have half a pot bet left. Yeah. And with hearts specifically, uh, when there's no hearts on the board, they just, 
most of the time, 60% of the time want us to go all in here. Hmm. So we're, we're unblocking their flesh combos and stuff that they could be their flesh draw combos. Yeah. And this is, this is typical of a hand say pocket sevens would play exactly like this, like that big, that big. Now I've got the open ender, right? So, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, things Five, six, like that. I'm not board. trying to put them on a specific hand, but I'm trying to find hands here that we're beating with our King Jack. Mm-hmm. Because we, we did chat about this earlier before we started the podcast. Rob said he'd fold. I'd said I'd never fold to a bet. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's why, because there are bluffs here or there are hands that we're beating here that this player can have. And it's not like we're getting a hundred big blinds in here. Mm-hmm. With our top pair, good kicker. We're getting in another, I don't know, 20. Yeah, we've started 30, with 40 basically. Yeah, so. 30 big buttons. So it's not, um, obviously, the, I wouldn't be trying to get in 100 big blinds with this kind of hand. But as your friend Fareed Jadden would say, the cost of confrontation is relatively low here. Um, it's not like we're going to be tearing our hair out, as you say, Kim, if we lost 100 big blinds here, because we're starting with 40. So, you know, once you start getting into pots with large bets off a 40 big blind stack, you're kind of, if you're not willing to go broke on that hand, you really shouldn't be in that hand in tournament poker because you you cannot win tournament poker without risking uh, a bust out on a 40 big blind stack when you've got top pair. <laughs> And it's it's early in the tournament, and it's still a rebuy period. Yep. So, Uh, this must not be a PKO. This because he's calling it bounty hunter. Yeah, it's just five dollar mountains. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was something I had to think about. Was whether you had the same bounties or not. They they do, I think. Yes, that makes sense. And you do make that point in here, Eric, about um, scrambling your brain into an omelet. Trying to study uh, ICM and a PKO, I, yeah, uh, that's going to get pretty complicated. That is going to get pretty complicated. Um, now you break this down, Eric. You've got this uh, uh, infographic here that you uh, screenshotted from uh, some sort of solver or program. What what program are you using when you break hands down like this? Um, well, this infographic is from uh, Poker Code. It's Fader Horzus. Yes, um, training site. Nice. Um, it's his range range viewer. And what what did you put into here to to uh, put this out? What what were you what were you focusing on at this point when when um, when you put this output together? Uh, this is just pre flop. Um, it's flat and three uh, forty big blinds button versus middle position, um, and it just kind of tells you what what ranges it wants you to three bet. Nice. Uh, it's just a pre-flop thing, um, nice. so it's 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 three betting ace queen suited plus and uh, tens plus, and then some sp- scattered bluffs. And I like that it's got king jack suited. Again, you can't see this if you're listening at home, but king jack suited is a straight call here all the time. And sometimes you're raising with better kings, and sometimes you're raising with worse kings. Uh, and some of those are value and some of those are bluffs, but it does like this, this call, uh, with the suitedness, even though it's uh three betting with King Jack offsuit sometimes as well. So I, so I do like that. Um, so Rob, uh, Kim said that you were leaning towards a fold here 
and what talk to me a little bit about what you're thinking in this position when facing facing this bigger bet on the turn. Uh, we've had discussions about King Jack in the past. Yep. I hate King Jack. <laughs> I just hate King Jack. So you'd never be in this spot because you would have folded it pre-flop. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Well, no, no, I would have called pre-flop and I would have been in this spot. I would have been in this spot because I would have called it pre-flop. And then I would have flopped the top pair and I would go, shit. there's no hearts hearts on the board now i mean this freaking reverse implied odd situation where it's like the guy's going to show up with ace jack and i'm going to be lose my whole stack and i'm going to feel really stupid um now those are all you know very emotional reasons why (laughs) you wouldn't do it i mean if you're if you if you're just living in solver world yeah i mean what we're talking about is that yeah this is the way you do it but if you're living in the real world where you duck where you're going against real opponents, you really need to understand what your opponent is doing this with. Often is, Queen is, this Jack. A, is this the kind of opponent that can do this with Queen Jack? Or Jack mm-hmm. 10. Mm-hmm. Or Jack 10. Is this mm-hmm. that kind of opponent? Um so if if he is, then yes, you could do it. But I'm not I'm not putting him on um pocket sevens i don't think the opponents in my little tournaments that i play online are not going to do that with pocket sevens um they're going to have more of a hand they're going to have ace jack most of the time um because most of the time they're just going to limp with queen jack Mm -hmm. and jack 10 but that's you know that's just the type of players that you're that you're playing against so you have to understand where the player is coming from and the type of tournament yet you're playing. So it brings me back to the two big blind open. Mm-hmm. That yep. it can be a weaker yep. hand here. Yep. Yeah. If he's if he's adjusting his opening size based on the strength of his hand, yes. Or, or the is he size adjusting of your stack. Based, right. Or is he adjusting it to the size of the effective stacks potentially in the hand? I mean, mm-hmm. two big blinds is almost a limp, Rob. <laughs> yeah, yeah yes, that's you're right. right you're right <laughs> um and i think it's interesting you know when, when we get to points like this and and ben goes into this too sort of counting combos of value hands and bluffs and are they betting value hands that we're beating like if they're betting queen jack for value here and we've got king jack then that's great we love that there's as many combos as queen of queen jack as there are of ace jack and we think they're definitely doing it with Ace Jack. So if we're doing it, if they're doing it with Queen Jack as well, that's fantastic because it kind of counts against all those Ace Jack combos that we knew they were doing about doing it with already. Um, and then if you think that they're also doing it with other hands that have us beat, like Queens and Kings and Aces, if there's enough combos of those other worse hands that we think they could be doing it with as well, like pocket sevens or pocket nines or a pair plus draw, like seven, eight kind of stands out here. They could be betting seven, eight here. It's an open ender on the flop. And then they uh, turn second pair plus the straight draw, something like that. And those combos do add up pretty quickly, especially when they're the open razor, you know, they haven't had a chance to close to, to narrow their range much. So they've got all the hands that they could have opened raised with. So I think that's that's it really is hashtag villain dependent, isn't it, gang? 
so many of these poker questions just come down to what what kind of range is this player going to be playing in a spot? I'm, like I'm going to make your head explode. Do it. How often have you called that bet or made a play based on what you think he could have? Yeah. So basically you're sitting there with top pair with a good kicker and you're saying, well, he could have this, he could have this. I'm going to call. He's got got ace jack or a set. And you're sitting there, what the hell did I just do? I just gave away my tournament just because he could have had one of those hands, but he never does. He always has the top of his reign. And you're sitting there wondering what the hell I just shipped my chip stack in. I had 40 big, 45 big blinds. It's not always. He doesn't always have those, but he has them sometimes. He's got the the backdoor flush draw. That's what he's got. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that point from Rob, though, because Rob's basically saying, you know, um, players don't play uh, as much of the other hands that we would like them to be if we're trying to call with top pair, second kicker here, and this is why this is an uncomfortable hand. Because this is, and this is why Rob hates this hand. Because even though we're in a pretty strong position, we don't know if we're ahead or behind. Like, we don't, this is a difficult hand to play. This is a difficult spot uh, to be in. And um, yeah, I think, I think you're. <laughs> That's poker, folks. We hardly that... ever know if we're behind or ahead. True. Good point, Kim. <laughs> Good point. We could, we can, to me, in my mind, and, and call me a nit, I'm old. <laughs> um, I could, there's better use for my chips. Yeah. In a different situation that I'm in control of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll find a better investment opportunity exactly. for those chips than bluff exactly. catching here. Cause that's essentially yep. what we're doing. Kim, would you agree that you we're never- basically bluff catching here? Uh, when we, when we call. Um, for the most part, some, no, I would not say that for some of the lower okay. buy-in tournaments, people are value betting their queen, Jack, Jack yep. 10 here yep. in okay. this spot. Okay. So we're not always. And, and, it, and you got to make sure if it's off suit, there's three times as many off suits. So if they have the off, right. that helps a bunch too. Yeah. Great point. Right. And when they've only raised to two big blinds, I mean, I don't yep. know, 23%. I'd have to look if that includes some of the. Queen Jack offsuits or not, but, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. I just think, yes, we're going to be beat a lot of the time, but we don't even have to, we have to be beat more than half the time. Like to fold here, like, yes. we're, and I don't know if we're beat more than half the time. And a lot of times people in these bounties, are just going for the bounty too. I mean, I've seen some. Right. Mm-hmm. Going for the bounty with Jack 10, Jack, any Jack really. Yeah. 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 It's true. And yes, we're going to lose to Jack Ace, Ace Jack some of the time. Yep. But Maybe Rob does have time. a point. People aren't aggressive enough. They don't three bet enough. They, they don't bluff enough for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, I agree with Rob to a point, but I would probably call. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's definitely. Oh. I would never fold here. I would either I don't call think, or go all in. But I, I would either fold or go all in. 
I don't think I'd ever call there mm. because of the amount of chips that I'd have left behind. It's like, mm-hmm. why, why let's go, let's put the pressure back on him. Let's see if he wants to make the call. Yeah. Because we'd ha- we don't, we'd have a less, we'd have a half a pot bet left. Right. If right. we call this bet. Yeah. So but are you going to gonna me, make ace, ace Jack fold? If you do that, is ace Jack going to call? Right. And sometimes what, they just give gonna, up. Sometimes what they are you going to do on the river? What like are you going to do on the river? Like sometimes he just checks and you check and you win. Like sometimes they just check on the river. Mm-hmm. They've you've called two big bets, so they're not going to probably buff again. If they go, if they, it's a scare card that comes, like a maybe a, I don't know. Especially the scare card, scare card, they may check. Well, let me just say, I probably fold. Period. Just be done with it. <laughs> Play the next hand. You're never yep. supposed to fold. <laughs> find find a better investment opportunity. But, there's been many times where the solvers say you should never fold this. And I yeah. call and I get shown the freaking nuts and right. I'm going, okay, because he's at the top of his range. He's right. always at the top no. of his range. He's not, <laughs> always at the top of his range. not. But, but that is a good point though, because you know, we, in the games that we're playing, our, our opponents are not playing solver ranges, you know, like, like, uh, they're going to be deviating from from GTO a lot, and part of what makes us good at poker is going to be how good we are at adapting to that and deviating from GTO ourselves to exploit them um, when when they get out of line. And so, if they are under bluffing, then we should be overfolding as as an as an exploit, um, whether it gets as high as this hand or not. I don't know, but I do know um, that feeling that Rob's talking about. Where you're like, well, he could have this and this and this. Um, it's hey, true that when, top pair. You want when, to talk when yourself you're, into calling. <laughs> when you're in that mode, when you're in that mode, I mean, it's it's something we should all be doing. We should be counting the combos of the hands that they're behind with and the hands that they're ahead of. Um, but it's not. It's definitely not going to be one of those sla- uh, slam dunk, feel good about it um, spots. And that's and that's what you get into. And what did we say at the top of the show? A hand like this, you're you're trying to make better than one pair. If you get a one pair hand with a hand like King Jack, it's just not going to be a comfortable circumstance. It's not going to be a comfortable situation, which is why we don't really like to play it. If it's suited and it's in position, absolutely, we're going to. Um, but even when we do, we're trying to make a straight or a flush uh, or, or to be able to aggressively play a draw. And uh, a one pair hand... We're, Listen, the other thing is you don't get to be comfortable playing poker. Sometimes you have to be uncomfortable and proceed anyway and take to spots where you're going to lose uh, 40% of the time and win 60% of the time. That's an amazing offer. <laughs> like with this much money in the pot, you have to be able to bust and and not feel bad about it and move on because it's just part of poker is, is accepting risk. Yeah, uh, that's true. I, I agree. And we don't all have the time they had in the main event to sit and tank for eight minutes or 10 right. minutes and think about all the possible combos. And this is yeah. why these hands you take out and you look at them later mm-hmm. and you look at them and say, I folded, but I should have called. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's why people should be posting those hands in uh, Kim Kilroy's Pet Vets Hand History Review Forum, <laughs> so we can come talk about it on the fourth Wednesday, on the fourth uh, fourth Tuesday of every month, um, 
or it's bring it here hand. on the show. Yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting spot. Thank you, Ben. Uh, Rob, anything else before we wrap this fold. up? Just fold. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's going to get a reputation as the they always have a guy. Uh, right here. <laughs> Uh, Eric or Kim, anything Some, else? Uh, somebody has to be a calling station, you know, so I can be that guy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we, we bring all types. And that's what I love about these shows when we have a disagreement on the podcast or in our, because, you know, we, you listeners don't always see what goes on in our study groups and in our strategy conversations, but uh, we do disagree quite a bit. And it's excellent when we do. Because we get to listen to two different attitudes, two different ideas, two different ways of thinking about it. And usually the answer is somewhere in the middle. And we all kind of leave the discussion smarter than we got here uh, because we get to disagree in a respectful way that that teases out the truth. And um, that's something we should all be really grateful for. I, I know I love it when people disagree in our conversations because it feels like we are getting closer to truth. And I want to urge everybody to participate because if you have to write something down and, and make an argument, you have to think about it. And it, it mm. actually really, really helps your thinking. I learn a lot more by participating in the forum chats, a lot more than just reading them. Mm. Uh, it really helps to have to sit down and, and say, well, I thought this, but now that I'm reading what I just wrote, that doesn't make any sense at all. I yeah. can't erase this and start over. <laughs> That's a great point, Eric. I think it, it yeah. definitely does. You have to use a different part of your brain uh, to put things in your own words. And like you said, you'll end up kind of challenging some of your own assumptions before you even hit uh, send on it. Uh, so. That's oh, great. it happens to be every time I delete something and, and change it before I yep. hit post. Yep. Yep. I believe it. Well, it just goes to show folks, you know, come join, uh, join our free forums and start thinking about poker critically and actively. And that's the first step to, uh, to becoming a better player and to, to crushing, crushing tournaments like our man, uh, Ben over here. Any other last thoughts on this hand? The last thought on this hand was if you call this and, on most river cards, they want you to call the all-in that comes mm. Mm. with your jack. And that's uh, basically because we've kind of handcuffed ourselves. We're, is right. it the pot? We're, we were kind of pot committed right. at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and uh, they don't need that many bluff combos left at that point when they're when you're getting, it would be like four to one or something like that um, yeah. on the math. Yeah, so for, for the most part, they want to call and, when you and if they, just called, which is why they don't mind the, the all in on the turn. Right. And if they check, you're never going for thin value, right? You just always check back or do you? Well, yeah, I think that makes sense. That, I think that well, makes if sense. You're going to bet. If you're going to bet and if they check to you, you're going to bet. You're just going to put it all in anyway, because it's only half pot. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, this has been very interesting. Well, I hope uh, Ben has good luck playing in his uh, Sunday schedule. I know he's got a lot of uh, uh, tournaments on his list. Um, I I feel bad. I don't remember what his Twitch handle is, but I bet it's Bjammin uh, or Jammin, something like that. So uh, folks it, want, can go and follow along with him and all the fun that he's having over uh, on the Twitch channel. And uh, yeah, it's just another free way to interact with Rec Poker members like our Discord channel, uh, our YouTube channel, the podcast that you're listening to now, the forums, 
uh, just a million great ways to come and engage with other like-minded uh, recreational poker players. So without any further thoughts, I guess I just really want to thank Kim and Eric and Rob for their amazing participation in this uh, strategy conversation and Ben for posting it and website AMP and the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino and you the listeners. Thanks everybody. Thanks.